This episode of Talk Central is brought to you by Pinnacle, Africa's top ICT distribution business, delivering the exceptional every time. I'm Richard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 224, for the week starting 1 July 2018. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, SA's premier tech news website and podcast network. On Talk Central this week, the one trouble in Jimmy Land. In the news this week, a new submarine cable is going live. Aldred Dreyer to lead South Africa's digital migration project. Commercial digital radio is coming. And Microsoft's new secret pocketable surface device. Hmm. Well, Sunday, we're live on live.techcentral.ca and it's time to talk everything tech. Welcome to the show. How's it, Rehat? How's it, Duncan? How are you enjoying your weekend so far? Yeah, it's not as productive as what it should be. Um, <laughs> Weekends aren't meant PUBG to be productive. PUBG's a problem. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Oh, you've been PUBGing again, have you? PUBGing, yeah. It's, any, it's anything to do when it's cold outside. Yeah. Yeah, I, I might join you for a, for a game a bit later. but uh, a, post, a post-show game, yeah. That's post-show a good game, idea. yeah. You've seen what the weather's going to be doing later this week, by the way. It's going to turn utterly horrific from Tuesday. Yeah, I've seen one report and I tried not to think about it. It's, uh, <laughs> I think it's already. I would like to think. Yeah, yeah, mm. I believe it's uh, quite cold. There. It's on its way. But yeah, it's on its way. But uh, the colder it gets, I guess, uh, the more PUBG record will play. So uh, what's it <laughs> <to> like? <laughs> I need to get out to my bike. It's not really helping. <laughs> yes, my psyche. My psyche. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I'll jump in a bit later and we'll uh, we'll see how far we can get. But uh, let's let's uh, let's get started with the podcast. Uh, we have another uh, doorbell video doorbell to give away, courtesy of Ring. This week uh, we gave nice. one away live on the show uh, last week, and I thought it might be a bit f- uh, fairer this week if we give uh, away the second one to one of our um, non-live listeners, to one of our podcast listeners. So I thought let's do it yeah, like that's this. A good idea. We'll accept answers from Monday the second of July. Uh, that's tomorrow. Um, Mm. although a lot of people will be listening on Monday. We'll accept answers on Monday, and we'll take the fifth correct answer sent to us on WhatsApp uh, on Monday. So any time after midnight on Monday is fine, um, and all you need to do is answer this question. Who is the inventor behind the company Ring? And uh, it'll hint it's, it's not uh, too hard to find. Uh, go check out the About section on their <laughs> website, and uh, you'll find his name there. But uh, who is the inventor behind the company Ring? And uh, we'll accept answers on WhatsApp only, please. 71 999 And uh, any time from midnight tonight or Monday morning is, uh, is perfect. Who is the inventor behind the company Ring? Ring, and uh, if you get it right, and you're the fifth correct answer to our uh, WhatsApp line, uh, we'll be uh, shipping that product off to you, and it looks pretty cool. Uh, IP-based, awesome IP-based doorbell offering. Uh, it'll allow you to. Uh, there's a little app you can check on your computer or your smartphone and see who's at your door, uh, even if you're not home, which is pretty nifty. Mm. Uh, so it's a great, great little prize that, uh, courtesy of Ring. I look forward to giving that away to one of our listeners tomorrow. While we before we get to our quiz, actually, let's have a look at our, our um, WhatsApp messages for this week. Uh, if you've got any comments or questions on, uh, related to the show, you can send us a WhatsApp on 071-999-1111. We do prefer voice notes if you can send us uh, a voice note. But we've got a text message here from uh, Christoph who uh, says, Unfortunately, I cannot do a voice note as I'm down with the flu and have no voice. Well, I hope you get, get better, Christoph. It's a, a good excuse yeah. for, not, uh, for not voice noting us today. But he says he has two comments. Uh, the first, I think, is a little um, a pick on us. He says the pronunciation of uh, Mac OS, it is pronounced Mac OS and not OS, as in the Wizard of Oz. Um, apparently, Mac OS. Mm-hmm. I call it Mac OS. Um, but uh, and also use Mac OS. Apparently, it's just easier. It just rolls off the tongue. It better. does. We, it we, does. We, we do it for conformity sake. <laughs> <not>, uh, <laughs> but uh, apparently, we're wrong. Apparently, it's pronounced Mac OS. So I'll try and Mac get OS. I'll try and get that right in future. Uh, and then he wants to pick on Vodacom. Uh, he um, would like Vodacom to explain why a prepaid SIM card is five rand, and a contract SIM card is a hundred and five rand. Why caller ID is free on prepaid and nine rand ninety five on contract, 
They may have a good network and make billions, but they are taking more than they should from customers. After 20 years of their greedy behavior, I have stopped using them. Now trying Telcom Mobile. Thanks for a great show. Yeah, I, I can't answer that question. Um, I guess they're milking their contract customers. Yeah, that's never a good thing to see, especially if somebody points it out so obviously. I never even thought of that. I need to no. go and check uh, check my bill too and see how much they're charging me for all these if, if additionals yeah. that we never look at. Yeah, indeed. Um, it does. It does look like profiteering to me. Um, you know, contract customers got more money, then get pay us more money. Uh, but maybe someone from Vodacom would like to respond to Christoph's message there. He makes a very valid point, I think. Great. Well, Christoph, thanks for the message, and uh, keep them coming. Uh, if you've got any comments on the show, we are uh, we can take them live on the show today. Oh seven one triple nine double one double one. Please make it a voice note if you can. But if you're down with the flu, like Christoph, uh, you you have an excuse, and I hope you feel better soon, Christoph. But uh, before we get into this week's news, shall we do the quiz, Rahat? Certainly. Let's go for it. First question, how much in dollars was Datatech CEO Jens Montanana paid for the successful sale of subsidiary Westcon Americas to Cinex Corporation? And that's a, not a big number, but it's pretty impressive. Uh, well, I wouldn't mind a bonus like that. <laughs> <laughs> EOH has spun off a new business to focus on fast-growing areas of the technology market. What is it called? The third question, who will lead the answer to question two? And the fourth question in this week's quiz, the first Southern Hemisphere transatlantic cable is going live in the coming weeks. What is it called? And the final question, the chairman of which Chinese tech company this week called U.S. Congressman Marco Rubio and Jim Banks ill-informed and close-minded over the criticism of the company? Oh, that was a fun story. But we'll get to the answers <laughs> to the uh, quiz, as always, at the end of the show. But let's uh, let's dive in and talk about this week's big news. So, uh, Mr. Money, formerly known as Jimmy, now known as Mzwanele, um, he seems to be in a bit of trouble. Not surprising, really, uh, announcing this week that Afro Voice, uh, which used to be called the New Age, uh, is closing down. Uh, I do feel sorry for the uh, journalists who work there. Uh, but I feel not one um, a, a ounce of remorse for Mr. Manye, who bought this newspaper from the Guptas uh, on a vendor finance deal. In other words, the Guptas loaned him the money to buy the paper. Now, it turns out that without uh, those SABC business breakfasts, um, <laughs> this thing isn't really viable. <laughs> Uh, so the end of – we should never celebrate the end of a newspaper, but as uh, someone pointed out, I think the first editor of the New Age pointed out in a column in the Sunday Times today, this was never really a newspaper. It was a money-making racket. Yeah, yeah. And the money came from dubious places, and now that the money isn't flowing, you can see why it's battling and why, yeah. it's, why it's come to this point. Indeed, indeed. And it's um, it, it never was a, a particularly good newspaper, I have to say. Uh, it, they struggled to give it away. You go to the airport and they were piled up high. Uh, never saw anyone ever actually taking one. Um, but uh, it is sad when a newspaper goes. But in this, in this instance, uh, I'm not going to cry too much over it. Um, now, one has to wonder whether, uh, whether the television news channel, once known as ANN7, now called Afro Worldview, I think, uh, yeah. is, um, is going to be next because, of course, MultiChoice uh, has announced that they are um, terminating the contract with Afro Worldview. That comes to an end at the end of August. Now, Mr. Manyi is bidding, hoping uh, that um, he'll get the license uh, to 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 uh, run the new 24-hour news channel, which will be made available uh, or will be licensed by uh, MultiChoice uh, in the coming weeks, uh, and will take to the air on the 1st of September. Uh, if I was a betting man, I would not be putting my money on uh, Jimmy Money's ventures here. I <laughs> no, strongly suspect this is going to go to someone else. Mm, mm. Uh, again, having watched a bit of ANN7 and a bit of uh, Afro Worldview, as it's now called. I'm not going to be shedding too many tears. <laughs> yeah, Rick, remember all those videos that came out when the when the station launched. I mean, it, it's it, it just didn't seem like a serious operation from the get go. It always seemed like there were ulterior motives. There. Yeah. And, uh, oh, without well, a doubt, it was obviously. And Zuma, Zuma, Jacob Zuma was very much behind the launch of this thing. If you read the book Indentured, behind mm -hmm. the scenes of the launch of Gupta TV, which uh, was my pick a couple of weeks ago, I can highly recommend that book. It gives you a real insight into what this thing was all about. Um, it was about winning dubious government contracts and um, 
and uh, they rushed it to air. Uh, Atul Gupta rushed it to air, not listening to the professionals that he hired to actually make sure that this thing was a was a um, wasn't an amateur show at launch, and he ignored them, and it was an amateur show at launch. And uh, to be honest, it hasn't gotten a whole lot better since launch. Um, it's uh, I don't know. It's the smallest uh, local news channel on on DSTV. Um, ENCA I think dominates in that space. The SABC is doing quite well actually now that it's been uh, it's under new management. Um, mm. They are mm. uh, they've they've lifted their game without a doubt. They've um, hired some good uh, journalists um, uh, on air, on air presenters uh, for for their news. 24-hour news channel. So they've lifted their games. The real battle now seems to be between ENCA ENCA and SABC News. Um, It'd be nice to have a strong third player, and um, we should know quite soon who that that third player is going to be. It's going to be a black-owned, black-led news outfit. Um, We know that there are a lot of bidders, including some of the big media companies. Um, But, uh, yeah, that announcement we're expecting well before the end of August. so watch the space, but um, yeah, I think I think Mr. Mzwenele Mani is in a spot of bother at the moment, and um, uh, hmm, let me leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me leave it there. Uh, what else is happening this week? Uh, we've got a new submarine cable going live soon. Uh, I interviewed Antonio. More bandwidth. More bandwidth. <laughs> uh, can you believe it? Uh, uh, yeah. Antonio Nunes is the CEO of a company called Angola Cables. Very interesting company based in Luanda. He was in Johannesburg this week, and I recorded a podcast with him to talk about what they do. They're a big investor in the WAX cable, West African cable system, which runs between London, I think, and Cape Town. Uh, and connects various countries along Africa's west coast. Um, they're, they're a principal investor in that. And um, they're, they're a company that's owned by uh, all the major telco operators in Angola, and I think the government also has a stake. And they've been working on this new project called SACS, or the South Atlantic Cable System. The cable is now la- is deployed, and they've just started uh, testing the four fiber pairs on the uh, undersea system. It runs from Luanda in Angola across the southern Atlantic Ocean to Fortaleza in Brazil. Fortaleza is uh, where a lot of international cable systems land. It's right up on the west coast of, uh, sorry, the east coast of Brazil. Um, and from there, it's going to connect into the Monet cable system, which uh, extends from Sao Paulo uh, in the south of Brazil all the way up to Miami in the United States. And they say this new cable system, the SACS cable system, is going to offer the lowest latency between Africa, including South Africa, and the United States, which, of course, is the epicenter of the global Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's just more bandwidth and lower latencies, which are, which is good for sp- specifically for, um, I don't know, gamers and, uh, yeah. and, and yeah. people working in, the, you know, financial services, that sort of thing, stockbrokers, stock traders, um, other industries, similar industries. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's um, they've deployed the cable and they say it's going to be live around September. Um, it's got a design capacity of 40 terabits per second. Wow. That's using, um, Do you think they'll sell a package like that with a, <laughs> that as a cap? <laughs> it's um, they're only lighting, I think, one fiber pair for now. It could be two. Uh, I'm trying to remember what he told me. I think it's one fiber pair for now. Um, and they're using a, something called a 100G technology, which is the type of um, wavelength technology they use. Um, it's a, a technology called dense wave division multiplexing, which is a bit of a mouthful. Hmm. But basically, it's a clever way of compressing data across fiber optic cables. And uh, they're deploying 100G technology, which is, uh, which is the latest, um, pretty much the latest and greatest uh, technology that you can use on these systems. But they are ready for 400 gigabit per, t- per second technology when it comes. So that, um, I presume, would imp- increase the capacity of the system fourfold. So from 40 terabits mm. now to 160 terabits per second on 400G technology. So, yeah, you're right, Rechard. There is um, there is literally a, uh, and this is a technical term, a cock ton of bandwidth coming our <laughs> <away. laughs> Uh, and also things like, I mean, it's it's also great for stuff like redundancy. I mean, yeah. well, you know, these t- cables do go down. Yeah. Uh, remember back in the day when we only had one and it went down, and we, the entire South Africa suffered. Yes. So I mean, it's it's I, I, I just love the idea that we're just getting more, of, you know, fiber connectivity mm. or uh, connectivity out from uh, this continent to the rest of the world. Yeah, I remember when Seacom launched back. I think it was in 20, 2009 to twenty ten, somewhere around there, and their bandwidth was so much cheaper that all the ISPs, I think. 
MWeb was the first to cut across, and um, they, they then used Ccom as the basis for launching uncapped ADSL in South Africa, and then the rest of the market followed. Yeah. Remember that. But a lot of ISPs were only on Ccom. They didn't have any backup on, on, on uh, the West Coast, on mm. SAT3, because the SAT3 bandwidth was so expensive. And so when Ccom, when someone in the Middle East put a ship's anchor through the cable and the system went down, you were offline. That was it. There was no yep, there was yep. no backup. Luckily, that situation changed quite quickly. I think with the launch of Wax on the west coast, and also Sat three prices came down. And uh, now, if uh, if there's an anchor through Seacom, uh, it doesn't affect us too badly anymore. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and the fact that this is all new technology, you know, all of these cables, even even Seacom, that's been up for a for a for a number of years now. Uh, I mean, this is not old copper stuff that we're dealing with. You know, this is high speed, high throughput, uh, high capacity cables. Yeah. And it's just ultimately allowing us to just achieve, to do so much more with the internet. And pricing is obviously a big, nice benefit to that. I just love the fact that we've got more bra- more broadband uh, coming yeah. to us. And, and, and the more, more cables there are, the, the more... Cape, more um, uh, ISPs are able to negotiate pricing, and the more um, our broadband prices uh, to the end user should come down. Uh, but you, you're right; there's so many new cables. We've got um, the ACE cable, which is coming down to South Africa. I'm, I'm not quite sure what, what the timing of that of that is. I think MTN is is involved in bringing that down to Cape Town. That's a cable system that currently terminates, I think, somewhere in the west coast. Uh, sorry, in West Africa, I think Nigeria. Um, Ace Cable, uh, I think Orange is behind that if I'm not mistaken. So we've got Wax, we've got Sat3. Sat3 is, is probably uh, going to be reaching the end of its life in the not too distant future. Much smaller capacity cable, but we've got these two high capacity cables plus we've got, uh, we've got the new Sax cable coming on board, uh, and, and there are two other cables that are going to be, um, um, if they, if they get off the ground, there's the SAX cable. South Atlantic Express, and there is the Seaborne Networks and cable called Sabre, um, which stands for SA Brazil, uh, and that's um, mm. also due to come on come on come online. I think in the next eighteen months or so. So uh, three potential subsea cables across the South Atlantic, whereas uh, until now there's been none. Um, maybe it's time for more cables on the East Coast. Um, the East Coast, which is where it really started with Seacom. Um, mm. we've got the Easy Cable, of course, that runs along the East Coast now as well. Um, there's the Teams Cable, but that doesn't come down to South Africa. That's, that's, uh, the East Africa Marine System Cable. And I know there are a whole bunch of cables, um, that have been deployed and are in the process of being deployed to connect all the Indian Ocean Islands, like Mauritius and Seychelles and all those sort of things. Uh, so there's a lot of investment, a lot of activity, and at the end of the day, it's only good good news for uh, us internet users down here at the southern tip of Africa. Oh, definitely. But I have to ask a question. I mean, what, what I would I would I would be worried if I was a player selling bandwidth because it just seems like where are you going to make the money in a few years when bandwidth? You know, when there's so many options for you to get bandwidth, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a price game, right? It is a price game, and I suppose at the end of the day, um, these companies are expecting an explosion in demand for for internet uh, for data, and. Um, they argue uh, that uh, we're just at the beginning of this now and that um, there is going to be a massive explosion. And certainly if you look at uh, the African continent, a lot of people access via mobile. A lot of people are on, on small data bundles. Um, the majority of people are not consuming video content like Netflix. Uh, mm. they're, they're, um, uh, you know, they're, there's a huge pent-up demand out there. And um, I think they're right. I think the demand is, is just going to keep leaping forward, leaping up. Uh, oh, for sure. And everything is going to start using – I mean, everything is using more. So the the more bandwidth you have, the more you tend to use because the stuff that you start using it for yeah. become, you know, you know a higher capacity um, video, for example. You'll you'll get 4K videos instead of 720 all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think – in the old days, I used to watch my bandwidth because I was on a cap and now I'm uncapped mm. fiber. I don't actually care. I just – you know, if, if I'm if – I'm, Sitting at sitting in front of the TV, I'm too lazy to look fi- try and find the DSTV remote. I'll just fire up DSTV now and stream that instead because I actually don't care how much bandwidth I'm using. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Bandwidth has become. I mean, if you're on fiber, at least it's 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 um, not something you monitor anymore. It's just you you've kind of come to expect mm-hmm. this fantastic service all the time. We've we've become spoilt in a in a very short period of time. But I think it's yep. been <laughs> deserving and a long time coming for South Africans. But it's what the internet should be at the end of the day. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it can ever really be done on mobile because of the um, the, the uh, spectrum constraints, but in, in fixed lines for for many years, um, in many decades in developed markets, uncapped is the model. 
Um, it, it was just here in South Africa we had, where we had a monopoly in telecom, and then the market slowly started to open. That yeah, capped, yeah. capped bandwidth was the order of the day. Do you remember, Rechat, when ADSL was launched in South Africa in 2003? Uh, I don't know. If I you, remember very well. Were you a, couldn't wait. Couldn't wait. So you were a subscriber from day one, were you? No, no, not from day one. I was, uh, yeah, no, not from day yeah. one. But I was a, uh, I was an eager, <laughs> eager participant to try and get it as soon as I could. Yeah, I, I, si- I signed up when it, the day it became available. It was, um, and and just have a listen to these stats. It was uh, five hundred and twelve kilobits a second, um, and there was a three gigabyte monthly cap, and that Ooh, cost ouch. that cost six hundred and eighty rand a month. You can get a 20 meg uncapped fiber connection for that price now. <laughs> you can, yes. Um, so we've come a very, very long way so we've in come 15 a years. Very long way. So it was only yeah. 15 years yeah. ago that they launched ADSL in South Africa, and and now we're sitting on um, in in certainly in the in the big cities we're sitting on 100 mm. meg, 200 meg fiber. Um, That's crazy. Uh, so we've we've and, and paying probably the same as what we paid in 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 real terms if you factor in inflation. Mm. Um, paying the same, if not less, than uh, what we were paying for that three gigabyte cap, five hundred and twelve yeah, kilobit yeah. per second ADSL back in two thousand and three. I mean, if I look at current fiber prices, I don't think it's too far out of whack. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't really expect to be paying, for argument's sake, less than eight hundred bucks for a fifty meg connection. I, I feel that that value is kind of there, especially if you're looking at an uncapped connection. Yes, it would be nice to get a cheaper, um, <laughs> get a cheaper subscription, but. It just seems like you know we we are getting decent value for money when it comes to fiber. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. I think you can probably get uh, these sort of connections in some markets like Europe cheaper. Cheaper, but, yeah, for sure. But it's a different but I would environment. Love to get it cheaper. It's a different environment. I mean, a lot of there's very very high density cities, uh, lots of blocks of flats, people living on top of each other, so it's easier to deploy fiber, less costly per user to per house to deploy fiber in some of those markets. Um, but prices. I mean, it's not for. Sorry, sorry, go for it. I was just no, saying, price. With- sorry, Rahad, you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's not forget with. I mean, we were talking about mobile data earlier. When you know, with with this massive increase in proper broadband deployment or fiber infrastructure everywhere, a lot more Wi-Fi hotspots have gone up. So you know, that dire need for super fast uh, broad um, wire, like LTE or something, isn't. I mean, still, it's you still need it, but you know where people congregate to actually consume large amounts of data is usually at home or at the office, right? And yeah. that's now got um, decent fiber connectivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's quite interesting where you see people, uh, and I've noticed someone pointed this out to me the other day. I, I wouldn't have, probably wouldn't have noticed it otherwise, but if you go somewhere where an establishment offers uh, free Wi-Fi. Uh, you can always see people loitering near the entrance with mm. their phones. <laughs> I hadn't noticed no, it before, but I, I noticed it up the road here the other day. There were six or seven guys standing around outside a shop, and I wondered what was going on. And then I walked past and then said on the window, free Wi-Fi here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fantastic. I mean, if, if they've got an uncapped connection, why not share that love? Yeah. It will be interesting to see what's going to happen, though. I mean, a lot of these guys still have basic smartphones or still, you know, your, your basic smartphones that probably don't, charge too much data there's probably not too much capacity on there either yes give it two or three years when you know current high-end devices become the standard and you can pull a 4k video file on there yeah these wi-fi hotspots are going to get used a lot more i think and it's going to be interesting to see the data uptake um you know from a basic level absolutely absolutely so more bandwidth coming our way we can never have enough of it as geeks (laughs) <laughs> so last Monday, I went uh, drove all the way through to Pretoria to uh, Francis Bard Street, um, which is the headquarters of the Department of Communications, for a press conference by Nomvula Mokonyane, who is the uh, new Minister of Communications, formerly Water Affairs and Sanitation, uh, which she left in a bit of a mess. Uh, she came into communications uh I think around February this year, it was when uh, Cyril Ramaphosa reshuffled his cabinet. It could have been March. I think it was February. Uh, And um, not a heck of a lot has been coming out of that department since then. So I was very eager to find out what was going to be announced at her first proper press conference, I suppose. Um, Went went along to the Department of Communications and uh, she delivered a fairly lengthy speech, um, a lot of it focusing on uh, the SABC and its funding models, etc., etc. And she... Uh, she intimated that um, they're going to review the SABC 
TV license system, which is quite interesting. Um, I suspect that, uh, I don't know, but I suspect that uh, the recommendation may be to do away with it because it's, you know, such a small percentage of South Africans are actually bothering to pay their TV license now that um, it's it's almost become an untenable situation. Uh, so there's going to be a review of the SABC's funding model and uh, TV license fees will be part of that review. So it'll be, it'll be fascinating to mm. see what comes out of that discussion. But more interesting for me was the appointment of Aldred Dreher to lead South Africa's digital migration project. Uh, Aldred is um, a senior executive at Centec. He's got an enormous amount of experience in the uh, in the broadcasting industry uh, and he's been quite closely involved in the digital migration project he understands these issues um, in a great amount of detail in fact i hosted a panel discussion uh, in pretoria at the university of pretoria towards the end of last year um, it was under the auspices of the um, i think the south african institute of electrical engineers and Aldred was one of the presenters there. And he knows what he's talking about. Uh, and he's connected. He knows the guys in the space. So I think generally a very good appointment. Um, what was a bit lacking from Nomvolo Mokanyani's presentation was any sort of real detail on exactly how the Digital Migration Project, which we all know is very much delayed, um, many years behind schedule, about how, how exactly that's going to be fast-tracked. Uh, but she's still talking about getting the project finished by next year, which um, which seems a bit hopeful to me. Uh, it seems very hopeful to me. But um, Elder Dreyer is a good guy, and I think um, it's a good appointment. And uh, I wish him all the best of luck in, uh, in in trying to get this project back on track. Uh, I think he's going to need every bit of luck he can get dealing with the politicians and uh, overcoming the mess that this project has become. But it's nice to see someone competent being appointed uh, to lead this process. Um, and uh, all the best of luck to him. Yeah, we certainly do need more of this type of leadership. I think we're going to take a quick break, Rechot. Uh, for our live listeners, we'll be back in a moment. Uh, for our podcast listeners, we'll be back after these messages. Are you a search engine? Because you found me. I feel we have a strong connection. Well, you're pretty fly for a Wi-Fi. Should we drop it like a hotspot and head back to yours so we can show Max and snuggle? Let's get giga with it. Uh, but I don't have fiber. Don't get caught in 50 shades of delay. Broadband your horizons and switch to Vox's super fast, super reliable fiber network. Experience the momentum. Connect your world. Visit us at vox.co.za forward slash fiber. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity. For business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Welcome back to the show. How's it, Rehart? How's it, Duncan? Good, thank you. So uh, the other thing that um, Nomvulu Mokanyani announced at her press conference uh, on Monday last week was that uh, commercial digital radio is coming. Uh, she said that the, uh, she is going to issue a policy direction to the communications regulator, ICASA, uh, to begin creating a licensing framework for digital radio. I think we spoke about this in the show a couple of weeks ago, actually. But um, there's some, uh, there's some definitely some progress here, and uh, uh, I think with this policy direction, we could see the li- first licensing of commercial digital radio. Of course, we're talking here about DAB Plus and DRM, yes, yes. Digital Radio Mondial, um, alternatives to the FM and AM bands going live. Um, uh, I presume sometime next year. Um, it's an interesting move. Um, I think that anyone who goes exclusively into digital radio is is quite brave because. There, there are, there's a real dearth of um, handsets available out there at the moment. Mm. Mm. I don't think any vehicle manufacturers are selling cars with DAB plus receivers in them. I could be mistaken, but I'm, I'm not aware of any. Um, that's obviously going to be the big thing is is is, uh, is getting the car manufacturers to to launch DAB plus and DRM receivers along with FM and AM in in vehicles. Yeah. Mm. Um, I suppose once the networks are launched, they will look at doing that. Uh, but maybe the ICASA needs to uh, maybe there needs to be some sort of regulation. That mandates them to uh, to deploy this technology if they're deploying a digital uh, a radio receiver in a vehicle that it has to uh, support both analog and digital um, can't obviously do away with analog because um, 
uh, a lot of radio stations are, are sitting on the FM band. Um, but it does create more diversity, which is uh, which is always good. Um, but anyone getting in this as a radio broadcaster early on is is um, is, is probably um, taking on a bit of risk because we we don't know exactly what sort of the, the take up is going to be, and we need to and also yeah. Sorry, go for it. Sorry, sorry. And also, I mean, digital uh, uh, online radio, or, or you know, just th- that whole side of it has has kind of leapfrogged the technology in many ways too. A lot of guys are spending their effort now on digital radio because you can you can just reach everybody, right? I mean, yes, uh, digital broadcast does have a place, and, and obviously, it, it's a better version of uh, FM type model. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, online online streaming is, is 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 I think that's where people are going to spend their money rather than trying to do digital radio terrestrially. Yeah, you do have to wonder whether this is uh, coming to market a bit late. Um, I would expect that most people will just be streaming audio for the internet in a few years' time. Um, but you know, with apps like TuneIn Radio, I mean, yeah. you know, you can get every radio station in the world. I even stream local radio stations on there when I need to from time to time. Yeah, yeah. I tend to do it when I'm out of the city and I want a news bullet and I'll just fire up my mm-hmm. smartphone and listen to, uh, you know, a Gauteng station to get a news update, for example, if I'm in the middle of the Karoo. Um, it's very yeah, convenient yeah. for that. Uh, there's probably a space for digital radio, but um, I, I, I think that uh, I think that broadcasters should be cautioned not to get too excited about it as a mm-hmm. as an alternative just yet. Not not until those receivers are in the market, and that's going to take many years uh, to really take off. Um, but it's coming, and it's exciting. It's not. I'm not. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it as a country. I think we should. Um, and ma- many markets around the world have launched digital radio. Uh, I think the UK has done it. Uh, they've they did it a long time ago, and I think FM is still a bigger than than digital in in the UK. Um, one of the Scandinavian countries, I forget which one. It might be Norway, has switched off FM now. Um, they were one of the first. Um, but I don't think we're going to switch off FM radio in South Africa for many, many years to come. I, yeah, I would no, imagine at least not. 20 years before FM is is, is considered over as yeah. a technology. And it doesn't really matter that much because there isn't, uh, there isn't huge pressure from mobile operators, for example, to use uh, that, that spectrum that the FM broadcasters are using. It's not, it's not as if it's been designated anywhere in the world for mobile broadband, whereas – the TV broadcasters are sitting on um, very valuable spectrum in the seven and eight hundred yeah. megahertz bands, which, which is why we're doing digital migration or allegedly doing digital migration, because we need to the the broadcasters need to get out of that spectrum. But there's no pressing need to, to get out of the FM band, so mm-hmm. I, I don't see it. I don't see it any need to switch it off. It's probably not desirable to switch it off. So many South Africans, of course, consume radio content through their through their cell phone. Um, it's uh, it's um, arguably the biggest way that people listen to radio in this country is through through mm, cheap mm, handsets, and uh, you can't switch it off. Um, the, the, you know those guys are not going to be upgrading anytime soon to cell phones that have DAB plus receivers in them. Um, I think there's even more people still using just plain old battery powered radios. Yeah, and those huge. things last forever. Forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it does increase diversity, and um, that's a good thing, uh, particularly in, in markets, as the minister pointed out, in, in, in places like Gauteng, where the FM band is actually full. They can't license any more broadcasters. Yeah. Um, although I'm always amazed by that, because you travel to the States and you listen to the FM band there, and it is, there are so many channels on the FM band that uh, it, it seems to be um, almost infinite compared to what we get here in Gauteng. Uh, so I do wonder whether the FM band is used, being used as efficiently as it could be. Yeah, or maybe the broadcasters don't all. Yeah, if, if I mean, if they're not broadcasting on exactly that frequency, and if there's a bit of overlap, I, I guess. I mean, I've often when I tune the tune the old radio, um, the bedside radio, you can't you can't move it an inch without flipping over to another channel. You know, especially yeah. between you know those those big bands. Yeah. So, digital radio. Look forward to the seeing who's licensed there and and what it's going to look like. Um, I I imagine that uh, the guys who get into this first are not going to be um, spending millions like FM broadcasters do, building massive studios and that sort of thing. I think they're going to have to take a, a more of a low cost approach to it. And um, again, I think I mentioned this in a previous show. There's an opportunity for podcasters like us to to supply content to these channels um because they're going to be yeah. looking for content and uh so there's there is an opportunity there as well which uh, I'm very keenly aware of so we'll <laughs> we'll see uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see uh, we'll see if there are opportunities to possibly syndicate some some of our content once some of these channels go live 
Tech Central FM coming to you radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last uh, item of news this week, uh, Rechard, is something you wanted to chat to. There's a new top secret Surface gadget coming from Microsoft. I've looked oh, at the very secret. I've looked at the pictures and it looks very sexy. What what is it? What are they doing exactly? So I mean, we know Microsoft completely missed the mobile. The mobile device game. I mean, and they tried to get in there and they had some, a few good ideas early on, but nothing came to fruition. I mean, we were before the show speaking briefly about the, the pocket PCs. I mean, those devices were incredible when they launched. We didn't have too much use for them because those apps were still pretty, uh, the, the, the software was pretty limiting. But I mean, the fact that you had a full screen device in your hands, I mean, you played with that, right? Uh, it, it was yeah. way ahead of its time. It uh, was. It was a great little device. And we just didn't have the internet to support it. I mean, we didn't have the websites to support it. So it, you know, it was pretty limited to, you know, you could use some office apps and, and that was really it. But um, since then, obviously, we've Microsoft has been really focusing on the Surface technology or what they call Surface. We've seen a few really interesting iterations there. Yeah. But, but again, nothing that came to market. I mean, remember that big table? That was, I thought, wow, I want one of those in my house. You can do so much with a Surface table. Again, it's not commercially viable now. Today, what we've started seeing is patent reports that uh, indicate a dual-screen pocketable device uh, mm. that Microsoft might be developing. Um, <clears throat> now, if you look at the photographs uh, that's been floating around the internet, I mean, this looks like a little, a, a little physical moleskin book almost that you can flip closed, and when you open it, you've got a screen on either end. It's a dual-screen um, little device, and you can take it apart device, as well, yeah. right? You can take it, separate it, and. Uh and, and so have like a slate type thing yeah. and then have the keyboard on the other side. Or when you open it flat, it's a, a full screen device. Um, also comes with a pen. It'll probably be an accessory. But what we know from technology like this is if the battery life is good, the screen quality is great, and most importantly, the operating system does what it needs to do, you know, this could be a pretty interesting device. Now, Again, Microsoft did uh, mess up the mobile part of their, their technology innovation many years ago. If they get this right, I think I think uh, they could really disrupt personal technology in a way. <clears throat> Sorry, because we've we've all kind of come to become used to the cell phone, the cell phone form factor. It's kind of reached its peak in terms of what it is in its current form. This has got the potential to kind of take it to the, that sci-fi level, you know, that, that digital e-reader that everybody carries with them that's also a phone, that's also a sketchpad. Yeah. Similar to what the iPad does, uh, did for, for mobile computing in that way, but this is going to be a PC more than a mobile device. Uh, Microsoft has also been said to be um, – I'm just looking for the uh, – look at Qualcomm process. No, sorry, not Qualcomm processes. Um, uh, where was this now? I think Qualcomm processes are looking at different Qualcomm, uh, different processes to use, um, potentially using ARM, which I don't think it would be a good idea. Um, uh, yeah, so, so you know, whatever that is going to be based on, if it's a full-on PC, uh, it can run the software we need to run. I mean, a Photoshop and something like this could be pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see. I mean, the fact that they've got patents out there doesn't really necessarily mean that they will bring this to production. And uh, yeah. the news reports do say that Microsoft could can this at any moment, like we've seen companies yeah. do. Yeah, but, but it's, a, it's a very sexy. I mean, that's, the story uh, is on The Verge, which is a U.S. tech website. Go and have a look at the pictures there. It's really, really a, a nifty-looking product. And I, I suspect they might bring this to market. They're bringing out some really interesting form factors uh, under the Surface line. You know, they introduced that new Surface Studio, uh, which I still want one. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Beautiful little all-in-one PC, touchscreen display. Uh, they've got that – they announced that new Surface uh, screen. I forget what uh, they called it. It was like a – it's like a, a, a – for use in business, but – this huge screen that allows you to, uh, you know, touch screen that allows you to uh, do um, full body s uh, Skype meetings, video calls, nice, uh, nice that yes. sort of things. And the, the, the Surface Box, I'm seeing more and more of them around, even though they are not officially available in South Africa. Mm. Uh, I'm seeing more and more people using them. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're pretty sexy little devices, although they are quite expensive. Um, yeah, Microsoft is Microsoft still playing in that. Uh, I mean, they need to keep it expensive. I don't think this tech is very. Um, they not. They don't have the volume to bring down the pricing. Yeah. Um, but at least they're playing and they they're creating interesting new technology that potentially is disruptive. I yeah. mean, it, it it just takes one of these things. Unlike, and I'm saying this jokingly. Unlike Google Glass, it just takes one of these things to catch on, and it could be a massive thing, and everybody wants to go for it, like the iPhone did, not like Google Glass did. Yeah. So I'm going to be interested to see to see yes. this thing in my hand. Yeah. Yeah. 
Great. Well, I look forward to seeing more about that. So before we move on to our regular features of the week, we've got some more messages coming in on uh, on WhatsApp. Um, uh, we've got a message cool. here from um, Johan Slabert. He says, uh, really enjoying the podcast. First time live listener. Uh, can you post the ring question to win if you have not chosen a winner. No, we haven't done that, uh, Johan. In fact, what we said at the beginning of the show was we're going to uh, give the um, prize away to one of our podcast listeners this week rather than to a live listener. Uh, we gave it away live last week. In fact, Jonathan Witt was our winner last week, a fellow podcaster. Um, but we're, we're going to make it a bit fairer and uh, make the uh, uh, the second ring doorbell available uh, to one of our um to one of our uh, podcast listeners. Of course, if you're listening to the show now, you're welcome to answer the question tomorrow, but we'll only accept answers from midnight tonight, uh, Sunday night. So anytime after midnight uh, through Monday, we'll take the fifth correct answer to the question. Uh, That question was, if I can find it on the show notes now, uh, who is the inventor behind the company Ring? Who is the inventor behind the company Ring? And uh, send the message to 071-999-1111. So, Johan, uh, you're in with a shot, but uh, please send the answer through uh, to uh, during the morning tomorrow. Maybe when you get up, send us the answer on what's happened. Who knows? You might win that Ring video doorbell, which is a really cool product. So let's move on to our uh, regular features. Um, our winner this week is uh, Jens Montanana, the CEO of Datatech, who we spoke about in our quiz this week. He was awarded a $3.5 million bonus. $3.5 million. That's uh, 48 million rand at the current exchange rate. Uh, for the successful sale of a data tech subsidiary, Westcon Americas, to an American company called Synex Corporation. Now... This is an extraordinary amount of money to be paid for a bonus for selling one of your own subsidiaries. And it has raised some questions for me. Um, you know, isn't this guy's job actually to uh, manage the business? And if the sale of a mm. subsidiary is uh, is um, is warranted, surely that uh, would be covered by his normal pay. Um, why would yeah, he be paid exactly. such a huge amount of money to sell off one of the subsidiaries? Uh, it's, it does seem a bit uh, a bit rich to me. Uh I've um, I posted the question to to Keith McLaughlin. Uh, he's a well-known local equities analyst, and he's promised to get back to me. Um, but I may look do some more digging on this one. Uh, it does. It I do wonder whether this is uh, uh, amounts to good governance or not. Um, but we decided to make him our winner anyway because he's now rolling in the dough uh, thanks to that sale, three and a half million dollar bonus, and his uh, total pay package for the 2018 financial year came to. An astonishing six million dollars, just over six million dollars. That's for one year. Um, wow! If you put that uh, to convert that into rand, I forget the figure. It's something like eighty-three or eighty-five million rand. Um, to be the CEO of a company, uh, that's that's big bucks. That's big bucks. That's uh, a lot more than even the CEOs of our local telcos, MTN and Vodacom, get paid. Um, Mm. Does it a tech tech company a low margin tech company at that? Does it uh, are these sort of figures justified? Uh, I don't know if the shareholders, I suppose, are willing to put up with it. Um, I suppose I suppose it is justified, but uh, I, I do wonder whether there are going to be some questions asked about this at Data Tech's next AGM. Maybe I will. Uh, maybe mm. I'll go. Maybe I'll wander along to that and uh, have a listen. See what <laughs> see what gets asked, especially around remuneration. But uh, there you go. Jens Montanana, CEO of Datatech, is our winner this week. And we don't have a loser this week, uh, so everyone can uh, breathe easy. Rechard, what's your pick this week? So I went, uh, I popped around to uh, Rush yesterday, or yeah, Rush uh, on Friday, actually, the what eSports tournament happening oh, up yes. in Pretoria. Okay. Uh, it's, just a, it, it's basically eSports. Um, they've got some gaming tournaments. But um, as I'm always interested, I went to some of the side stalls and some of the other guys and uh, just had a, a gander around. And I came across these guys called Pinball Fundi. And man, did I have a blast from the past and the most fun I ever had. In a eSports arena, I was probably one of the few guys playing a mechanical, old mechanical pinball machine. I saw you, I saw you tweet about that or post it on Facebook or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I never really got pinball as a, as a concept. So I was, I was chatting to this one guy, Alexi, and he just took me through everything from the beginning to the end. Like, look at the storyline. It's like, it's such a complex, complicated thing. So... Pinball Fundi, obviously, you can, they sell these things. That's their business. But you can also rent, and that's what really interested me. Now, it's still, it's still not the cheapest thing, but for about two and a half to 3,000 rand for a weekend, if you, if you have a party and a few people over, it's such a cool idea, actually. Yeah. 
But just the idea of old pinball machine. These things are, you know, they're the original pinball machine. Some of these go up to 120, 130,000 rand. What? Uh, for one. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. You can, you can start off with a 15, 20 grand one, but that's not something, that, that would be a, a probably a more basic, you know, the licensing, the, the theme of the thing, the story would be a lot more basic um, than something like a, a Indiana Jones or a Last Action Euro type pinball machine yeah. uh, would do. Um, so that's my pick. You go check them out, pinballfundi.co.za. The, the, the renting of it is very appealing. I think if you have a, a good enough celebration, birthday weekend or something, and yeah. you really love pinball machines, th- these, uh, this is definitely something worth checking out. But also chat to the guys if you're interested. Uh, it, it was a wealth of knowledge, and I just had so much fun uh, chatting to them. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick them for that reason because they rent out these things, they fix yeah. and repair. But it is pretty cool. The machines were the winner there yesterday. Imagine what sort of a PC you could buy for 130,000 rand. Isn't that isn't that the irony? I mean, how many <laughs> how many high res pinball games can you download and play? Yeah, um, but exactly. These are, these are pieces of art. These really are pieces of art. Uh, you know, the, the guy was telling me they can't replicate it any other way today. There's no other way to build these things yep. than the way that they were built. You know, you, you can put a digital screen in, but obviously then it's a digital game. Yes. Um, there's no other way to to make these things the way they are. And that I think that's pretty special. They must make some interesting sounds as well. The mechanics. Of it is the feel. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the feel of that ball on. The on the wooden frame you know it's a glass it's it, it's just everything about it i went after i put that tweet out a few guys um did reply to me and say but you can just you know if you can't afford it, just gonna get the app there's a few good apps there. and i was gonna pick that it's called zen pinball but it's it's not it's not as good as the experience of, of playing a real pinball machine yeah Oh, as I make my computer make some beeping sounds, I am uh, my pick this week. I'm actually fiddling with my pick, which is why the computer was making beeping sounds. My pick this week is, <laughs> is an app called Ear Trumpet for Windows. Um, it's uh, a, f- a freeware piece of app available in the Microsoft Store, uh, particularly useful for podcasters. But I'm sure there are plenty of other applications for it. It's a, it's a, it's a basically a, a, an advanced um, sound manager for Windows uh, that allows you to control the volume output for particular apps for individual apps whatever you have running um, which obviously in the podcast uh, context is fantastic so if we're playing a piece of music for example in VLC or in Spotify you can uh, turn that music down dynamically while keeping the rest of the audio at the same level Um, it's quite uh, quite nifty I'm going to play around with it some more but um, it really it really uh, introduces functionality into the volume control in Windows, which uh, probably should be there as default anyway. It should have been there. Yeah, it should have been there. <laughs> Maybe it'll come in the next version of Windows. But um, I, I, I do recommend it. It's if you're a Windows user and you feel the need to to control uh, volume levels from different apps, go check out Ear Trumpet. It's in the Microsoft Store. And those are our picks, and I think that is almost our show. Um, apart from our quiz results, uh, let me do the first question. How much in dollars was Datatech CEO Jens Montanana paid for the successful sale of subsidiary Westcon Americas, Westcon Americas, to Synex Corporation? And the answer there is three and a half million greenbacks. Cha-ching. Second question. EOH has spun off a new business to focus on fast-growing areas of the technology market. What is it called? And the answer there is Nextech. Who will lead the answer to question two? And that is outgoing EOH CEO Zunaid Mayet. Cha-ching again, eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. We'll, see. we'll check the annual report next year. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, fourth question. The first Southern Hemisphere transatlantic cable is going live in coming weeks. What is it called? And the answer there is SACS or Southern Atlantic Cable System. And a last question in the quiz this week. The chairman of which Chinese tech company this week called U.S. Congressman Marco Rubio and Jim Banks ill-informed and closed-minded over their criticism of the company? And this is over the U.S. lawmakers uh, warning that Huawei is spying on Americans and stealing their technology. (laughs) Uh, And the answer to the the question is Huawei Technologies, which is the biggest smartphone maker in, in China. Yeah, that's a company to look out for. They are going to be doing some interesting things. Yeah, they very. They certainly are doing some interesting things already. In they fact, are. Yeah, I, <laughs> I am very tempted to get their Huawei P20 Pro smartphone, which has got the most amazing camera system in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I can't really up justify upgrading my phone at the moment. But I, I my wife got one uh, just recently, and I am uh, oh, really I, nice. I am coveting it. <laughs> mm. um, but I, I'll probably it's... wait for next year. See what uh, early next year, because of course, Mobile yeah, World Congress yeah. is only. 
only uh, what six seven months away, and uh, we'll Jeez, have a, again. We haven't even finished this one, Duncan. Can we, <laughs> can we have a breather? We've got the Pixel Three <laughs> coming. We've got the Note Nine mm. coming. We've got uh, whatever Sony's going to be announcing, uh, and then of I course, hope they do something re- much better this year. I'm looking forward to. Improvement from their side, from Sony's side. Yeah, they've uh, they have fallen behind a bit. I was playing with their Sony Xperia XZ2 Premium uh, phone, which is quite nice, a bit heavy. Um, but mm. I just got the feeling, you know, these guys are not quite at the cutting edge anymore. Um, so Sony was three years ago for me was uh, was right up there with Samsung, and uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, in fact, I've bought several Sonys over the years. Um, but they have slipped a bit. Um, so it'd be, it'd be good to see them come make a comeback. Um, but the XZ2 Premium, while a very nice phone and uh, right up there with uh, with the best of them, probably just quite didn't quite uh, didn't quite uh, match up to some of the things we're seeing from from Samsung and Huawei, particularly sure, in the sure. camera department, which is really disappointing because Sony is actually known, and many smartphone makers actually include Sony yeah. components, camera components in their phones. So it's a bit disappointing to see um, companies like Huawei pulling ahead of Sony in the camera department. Um, I don't know why. I think what we. S- what we're seeing here is that all these companies are, are struggling to to reinvent a square screen with awesome tech in it, and that really is, yeah. is I think, uh, they're struggling. Like, like Apple obviously set the bar very high in many ways when they did the the, the iPhone, but yeah, we these companies that, that's what what Microsoft's doing well now, doing right now. If they get this Surface out, and that is could potentially revolutionize the way people use a mobile device, yeah. they they personal pocket computer yeah you know that could be a new thing to get into and everybody will start copying that type of thing but yeah i, I really want these companies to to wow us with new blocks of tech you know with a screen on it yeah <laughs> we've got a just before we go leave uh, before we uh, close out for today we've got another message here from from johan who's asking when will the pixel 3 be available in south africa unfortunately johan the pixel devices have never officially been available in south africa you've had mm. to import them and i strongly suspect that'll be the case once again with the pixel 3 device uh, you'll you'll have to import it from the states. I hope Google does introduce it in South Africa at some point, but they they have uh, been a bit tardy in uh, in introducing their consumer hardware products into the local mm. market, mm. and I've heard no indication that that's going to change anytime soon. So I, I, I wouldn't get too excited about that. But they're quite easy to import. There are lots of guys who uh, who will import them for you. You might uh, you might have to check the warranty if there might not be a warranty, um, mm. but you can you can get your hands on them here. Um, but hopefully Google does support them at some point in the future. And um, and oh, he also wants to know when he should, uh, what time tomorrow he should send his, the answer to the question to win the prize. <laughs> I can't tell you that, Johan, but um, I, I wouldn't wait up till midnight. Maybe uh, when you get up in the morning, send uh, send the answer um, over breakfast. You never know. The fifth uh, answer, correct answer to oh seven one triple nine double one double one, on Monday will win that prize. Who is the inventor behind the company ring? And um, go check the about section on their website if you're not sure. And that's our show for this week. Uh, as always, uh, if you've got any feedback, oh seven one triple nine double one double one, please send us a voice note, and we'll include it live on air. Info at techcentral.co.za is the uh, old school way of reaching us if you want to use email. And uh, yeah, I think that's it from Rechard and myself until next Sunday. Take care and cheers. Ciao, ciao.